0: The Lazy Girl's Guide 2. For girls who want to better their life, but better not have to do too much work. After the success of our Superannuation podcast, I have asked James Musa. Finance guru and owner of a business called Life Sumo, who targets people like myself that have no idea and helps them sort out their financial life, to join me again. But this time, we're going to go a little broader than superannuation. We're actually going to talk about finances in general. He joins me now on the podcast. Uh, hey, James.
1: Hey, Carly. How are you? Thanks for having me back.
0: Of course. Well, the superannuation one went really well. And I think that's because people want to have an idea, but they don't want to be overwhelmed.
1: So did that surprise you that the super one went as well as it did?
0: To be honest, and you know, I feel bad because I recorded it and I put it out into the (laughs) world. But if I was scrolling through podcasts and I saw superannuation, I would think boring.
1: You would think so. But we turned it around. We
0: turned it around. And I think the good thing is you do work with people that genuinely want to get a grasp on these big topics but don't want to be overwhelmed. Sure. So that's why you're my guy. Thanks. Now, finances, I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't want to talk stocks and bonds. I don't even know (laughs) what that means. I think it's something you do when you move into a house. Um, But I want to get a handle on them because I think as you get older, you do want to start taking financial stock of your life. Where do you even begin, really?
1: Uh, So where do we learn most of our financial stuff? Most of it happens around the kitchen table. It's what we see mum and dad doing, uh, our our relatives. Now, the tricky part about that is that that also encourages us to make the same mistakes. Ooh,
0: and so, that's yeah, a good point.
1: it's tough. It's tough because the way the human brain is built, the um, you learn most of your bad habits and your bias is ingrained by the time you're five years old. So, if mum and dad have got uh, money problems or they're worried about debt and they keep saying and talking about those sorts of things, you're actually going to pick up a lot of that bias yourself and it's going to form part of your habits when you start earning and spending money your way.
0: That explains why I'm still using a Dolomite account.
1: Correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have picked up some of those bad habits and you want to break them. Where Where do you go to from there? Yes.
1: Yeah, so of course, the first step is realizing that you have those habits. If debt was a problem in your parents' household and you find yourself uh, unable to make ends meet, always paying off credit cards, uh, being overwhelmed by interest rates and so on, you've got to recognize that problem and really try and get some help. Jump on the internet, do some Googling, because don't forget uh, that internet, that's a resource that your parents weren't exposed to when they were younger. So if you're looking for help, it is out there. You've just got to recognize the issue earlier And get the help when you can.
0: Okay. So you're talking about people that are in kind of a really bad financial spot. If that is you, like people listening to this podcast, if they're finding themselves a little bit overwhelmed by it all and they do need to seek help because the internet can be such a danger zone for experts, so to speak. And especially when it comes to finances, everyone has an agenda with trying to get their hands on your money and tell you what to do with it. In your opinion, in your profession, what are some of the more credible places out there to go for help?
1: Oh, self-promotion is a terrible thing, Callie. but uh, no, okay, look... Us aside, um, um, LifeSumo is the
0: website.
1: <laughs> ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, ASIC, and the Australian Tax Office have got a joint website called Money Smart, and that's actually quite a good place to, believe it or not, get started. It just breaks down a couple of those um, critical things. It gives you the lowdown on uh, what the law is around credit and credit cards, and if you find yourself in financial trouble. But if you're looking for a space where people can uh, provide unbiased Biased, credible content to begin with, definitely Google Money Smart. It will give you just a little bit of information and that could be enough to put you on the right track.
0: Speaking of getting on the right track, credit card debt, I think that that is definitely a massive problem for, well, in particular, my generation. If you do find yourself with debt in more ways than one, it might be in the form of a personal loan as well or car repayments. How do you even begin to tackle that? Because obviously a lot of banks will tell you to consolidate all your loans and pay it off in one big lump sum. I didn't realise how scary that can be because you're actually taking out an even bigger loan. Is that a slippery slope in your opinion?
1: It really can be a very, very slippery slope. So the most important thing in that situation is to not hide from that little disaster that's building and confront it head on. So the first thing you want to do is you want to get a very real tally of your situation, no matter how scary you think it might be. So definitely set yourself up a little piece of paper or a spreadsheet, put down um, who is the company that you owe the money to, how much you owe them Find out what the interest rate is. So that might mean giving them a call to find out if you don't know what the interest rate is that you're currently paying. On top of that, don't just worry about the interest rate. Find out what the credit limit is. So you might have a, you might owe $2,000, but you might have a credit card that has a $5,000 credit limit. Always work off the credit limit, not what you owe, because you could rack that up the next day and you want to make sure that you can get that paid off and get that shut down as quick as possible.
0: Yeah. Now, say you've got a personal loan and a credit card debt and maybe a car repayment or something like that, like where do you begin to order it?
1: So there's a couple of ways that you can um, address that. One is you can either do a uh, the highest interest rate first is usually the starting point. If you're paying for twenty two percent interest on something or fourteen percent interest on something else, it kind of makes sense to pay out the one where you've got the higher interest rate as your starting point. Yeah. But likewise, balance can also be important. Just psychologically, if you owe $500 to somebody and you owe $3,000 to somebody else, sometimes knocking the 500 out of the way just gives you that little psychological boost that says, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. I can wipe this debt out. And then you can ramp up your repayments and focus on the larger one.
0: Now, one thing I also wanted to talk about, speaking of debt, is Afterpay, because it's huge and everyone's doing it. It seems like there is no risk involved in it for easy repayments. I know that a lot of my girlfriends are definitely doing it these days. Is it really as good as it says it is?
1: Yeah, Afterpay is, it's the old school lay-by, but you get to walk away with the item in the pocket and you've got a fixed repayment schedule. Uh, I think it's four repayments, uh, fortnightly repayments. So. As always, as long as you stick to that agreement, then there's no issue, there's no excess cost. Um, So, afterpay is often paid for by the people, uh, by the company who's selling the product. So, they'll actually pay for the use of that afterpay service. So, as long as you uh, stick to the four repayments, you're fine. However, if you don't, the actual interest being charged on that can be quite exorbitant.
0: Ooh, so so they really can get you.
1: They can get you, absolutely. If you don't stick to it and you don't make those repayments. And the problem, of course, is that they don't do a full credit assessment before you use it, so they don't yeah. know whether you can afford it or not. So,
0: can it affect your credit score overall?
1: Absolutely. Oh, they
0: yeah. don't tell you that.
1: A- any sort of uh, credit item or instrument now all gets reported on everything, and it's getting uh, a lot more prolific. So, your phone bill, your electricity bill, and we're not talking about um, you know bad payment history, but even being late on a payment, mm. can now be reported and audited. And um, because of the systems all centralising, they're getting that information in real time.
0: Speaking of credit scores, that can make or break your financial life. It, it really goes into everything that you want to do for the future, whether it's getting a car or getting a loan or, or getting a house. How do you find out your credit score?
1: Yeah, there are a few services, online services. Um, I've registered one with one called uh, getcreditscore.com.au. And they all tap into the same centralised system uh, where they can monitor all of those things and they give you a monthly credit report uh, that tells you what your score is. And it's usually somewhere between uh, 200 and I think 1,200 is where the scores tend to range from, where of course 1,200 is the better score Yeah. and 200, you're in a lot of trouble.
0: And does that cost money to use that service? No. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That's good. Now, I want to talk about budgeting now that we've got all the yucky stuff out of the way. <laughs> This is something that I have always struggled with. And obviously, we're seeing things like the rise of books like The Barefoot Investor. There are a lot of Facebook groups dedicated to budgeting and tips and tricks and that type of thing. Is it as simple as just foregoing a cup of coffee a week?
1: I don't think so. I think budgeting is a bit of a dirty word in itself because it gives you the the concept of going without.
0: Yes, and that's why I struggle with it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it really isn't meant to be. I suppose it's uh, the equivalent of dieting. Yes. You know? We don't want to diet, we want to have a healthy lifestyle. So, uh, and that might seem like we're just, you know, we're playing semantics with words. But the way I look at budgeting is like this Uh, I don't ever tell my clients that they can't have Tim Tams or go to the movies or anything like that. Yeah. What we do is we draw a bucket, right? So you get your piece of paper, you draw yourself a picture of a bucket, and you look at what's in the bucket right now. So, how much money have we got? Then we draw a little arrow going into the bucket, we're going to fill it up with money. Where does that come from? Well, for most people, that comes from their job, from their wage. The problem with the bucket is the bucket's got holes in it. So draw little holes and say, right, out of this hole, I know that we're leaking 280 bucks a month in car repayments. I know that I spend $60 a week on fuel. And you start to get a, just a visual concept of the fact that the bucket fluctuates in how much is in it all the time.
0: You can't just buy a new bucket.
1: You can't. <laughs> You can. You can trade up to someone who's got a bigger bucket. Uh, but uh, what we want to do is we want to make a choice. We can either plug the holes in the bucket yeah. or we can put more into the top of the bucket. Right. Or we can do both. Yeah, And I just think that getting that visualization just puts people in control as opposed to saying, well, here are your debits and here are your credits and this is what goes in, this is what comes out. At mm-hmm. least... You have that visual idea of wanting to maintain good flow, and we want the holes in the bucket. We need the water to come out because you don't live much of a life just storing it all.
0: Oh, absolutely not. And there is actually a theory that's very popular amongst barefoot investors, and my boyfriend is currently subscribing to this, and this is this idea of different bank accounts. You've obviously probably heard about this one, the splurge account. The, the, I, I don't even know what they're all called. Sure. Is that a simple way to do it?
1: Yeah, look, the barefoot investor is uh, what we would call a tourniquet. So tourniquet, back in the old days, if you had a snake bite or you were cut on your arm, say, you would take off your belt or a shoelace and you'd make a tourniquet above the cut and it would stop the bleeding, right? Now, the reason why I use that analogy is the barefoot investor is an awesome way to start in terms of those individual bank accounts. If you have zero idea with money and you're no good with it and you need to be able to see where the money goes in real time. Yeah. But going back to the tourniquet, if you leave the tourniquet on for too long, the limb will actually fall off because it won't have blood supply, right? So in this context, if you keep pushing um, the four bank accounts and you think you can save your way to retirement, that's absolutely not the case. So the barefoot individual bank accounts are a great starting point. Yeah. But you need to go deeper than that.
0: And where would you suggest going deeper? I know we're all about just the quick solutions here, but what do you see as problematic like long-term if people are looking at a more long-term approach?
1: Well, the, the long-term approach, and this is something that we, we've spoken about off air, and that's, um, you know do you save your way to retirement or do you invest? Yeah. And the bit that's missing is the investment piece. Right. It's not possible for you to set up four bank accounts and save your way to retirement. That's just not a reality.
0: If you look at the bigger picture of finances, we, we were shocked and we learnt this in the superannuation podcast that it's like a million dollars that you need or something sure. to retire. Most well, people aren't on that money.
1: No, no. And that's, I suppose, if we work on what with most people's situation is, if you could put... Um, Say 10% or 20% into that long term future bank account. Yeah. uh, And you're earning, uh, say, $60,000 a year. All right. Now, the idea of being able to save six or $12,000 a year sounds fantastic. Mm, Yeah. And you might have a 30 year, 40 year working life. Even if you could take that $12,000 a year and over a 40 year period, We're only talking about $480,000 that you've been able to save on your way towards retirement. And of course the problem with that is that $480,000, 40 years from now, won't be worth what four hundred eighty thousand dollars is today.
0: Okay, so that's very overwhelming to learn.
1: Okay, we'll wind, <laughs> we'll wind that one back. Yeah.
0: Okay. What do you think is a a simple solution? Because obviously there are people out there that dedicate their lives to to getting ahead financially, yeah. and they invest in the right places. But if you're just someone like myself who who wants to be comfortable and wants to try and do the right thing at a very basic level, if that's not a long-term solution. What would you suggest to people that aren't in the financial world? That's that's risk-free. If you, I don't know if there's anything with finances that's risk-free. Now but that's, is it real estate? Is it stocks? Is it? You okay, know?
1: so this is the uh, really cool thing about risk. All right, you can't make a choice that is risk-free. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay, but you have the luxury to choose the risk that you want to be exposed to. The only way that you can do that is if you understand what the risks are and what risks are out there. So where most people get it wrong is that they might think, well, if I put my money in the bank, that's risk free. Okay, you know, yes, uh, it won't grow, but it will always be there. So the risk in that context is that, uh, as I said, 30 or 40 years from now, you might have saved four or five hundred thousand dollars, but four or five hundred thousand dollars won't buy you what it would today because the value of money changes. yeah. So that's um, that's a substantial risk, which means you have to look for other things. Uh, the other side of it is that, um, you know, you might need to be in a more volatile investment where the value can go up and down over time. So our job is to provide that education and make sure that people understand what all the risks are and then help young people, particularly um you know, young women, young men who are looking to get ahead and say, well, let's spend more time working on educating about risk and not worrying about the actual investment because that will take care of itself. The actual investment part is really the simple part. Getting people's head right around risk and risk tolerance, that's where it's all about.
0: So with money risk, obviously, I think the biggest thing for our generation, what we see as an investment is real estate. And obviously, one thing that we are seeing in the news cycle at the moment is that is getting riskier and riskier, what seems by the day to invest your money into. What else is there out there for us?
1: When it comes to investments, there are only three areas you can put your money, cash, property, and shares. That's it. They're the three main choices. The interesting thing about the property situation is that we look at things in a microscope we look at things as they are right now so the press at the moment is saying that uh, property is falling by 10 to 15% this year what we're not seeing is that for the last 20 years it's been going up by 8 9 10% per annum year after year after year so if we understand risk properly what we soon realize is that it's not reasonable to expect it to always go up by that so if we have to go through a short term period where the market drops like it has, that's okay. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. As long as our time frame is long enough that we can withstand the downs and in fact for people like ourselves who are younger, this is the time to be buying those assets because they're getting cheaper.
0: Okay, so, okay, because yeah, it seems like the the hype around real estate is that it's very risky, but I want to touch on stocks because I don't even know what they are. To me, it seems like that's what someone that wears a power suit to work would deal with. <laughs> what are stocks? And if I was to invest in them, how would I even begin to do that?
1: Excellent. So let's break it right down, okay? Let's forget about uh, the Wall Street stocks, Wall for Wall Street type mentality, okay? Let's just work on what is a share, Okay.
0: Was I calling it the wrong name?
1: Well, that's a very American <laughs> approach, uh, which See, is cool. See, I watched The
0: Wolf of Wall Street yeah, yeah, on the yeah, weekends. Yeah. So. That's right.
1: Stocks and bonds. It's yeah.
0: everything I know about finance.
1: Definitely don't learn everything you need from The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, okay, so a stock is just another name for a share, okay? Yep. Uh, so in Australia, we do share investing, and a share really is owning a piece of a company. So when you go and buy shares in companies like... Commonwealth Bank of Australia, uh, Woolworths, uh, any of the big companies, what you're buying is a little piece of that company and by you buying that, entitles you to a little piece of their profit and a little piece of their value.
0: And I guess this is why people freak out when there are PR disasters around big companies and the shares Correct. go down, because then so then they lose money. So there is definitely risk involved in that, right? Oh, uh,
1: look, absolutely, In particularly because it's like the property we just spoke about. If you look at things through a microscope and there's a PR issue or something causes the share value to fall, we panic because we're thinking in a really short-term sensibility, right? Yeah. But if we take a five, 10, 15, 20 year look at it, it shouldn't matter a great deal if the value of that share rises and falls because of things that are happening in the short term.
0: Okay. So say I have $5,000, is that even enough for shares? Is that, that's probably very small, isn't it?
1: Yeah. At the risk of giving advice, which I can't do until we've done our (laughs) uh, investigation, you can definitely, you should be starting with something.
0: Okay. So I'm starting with $5,000. Sure. I pick Woolworths as a company. I put my $5,000 in... You're already going, no, not Woolworths. No, 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 no,
1: no. No, um, definitely not saying not Woolworths. <laughs>
0: um, so I put my $5,000 into Woolworths. It sits there. Am I getting money, physical money back into my bank account or is it in, in the form of the shares fluctuating in value? Both. Right, okay. Yeah.
1: So the you might have bought $5,000 worth of Woolies shares. Uh Woolies stock code is WOW, just in case you wanted to know. Oh, well, there you, um, go. There you go. So you might have bought $5,000 worth of Woolies shares. And for some reason, um, wooly's goes up in value over the next week. And now you could have sold those shares for $6,000, right?
0: Okay. Because
1: more people want them. So now you've had the value of the shares increase.
0: And but how if, do I sell them? Like, do I have to, is it like eBay? You have to find a buyer or...? It's a
1: special eBay uh, where you go through a broker or a broking facility um, like the
0: Wolf of Wall Street the li- uh,
1: a little like the Wolf I think we're going to get stuck on the Jordan Belfort um, definitely a lot less drugs um, yes there is a specific way to, to buy and sell those assets okay. but the, the exciting part about that is that particularly if Woolworth make a profit a very tiny little bit of that profit comes back to your bank account
0: to wrap my head around it.
1: So one last thing on the stocks, okay? The one thing I would say without giving advice is by putting all of your $5,000 in Woolworths stocks, you've now added one more risk. Okay. Because you've put all of your eggs in one basket, okay? So if Woolies go really badly and any company can disappear, no company is infallible. If all of your $5,000 is with Woolies and Woolies no longer exists, Bye-bye, $5,000.
0: There's no insurance there. You just nope. lose it.
1: But if you were to spread that money across 10, 20, 50, 100 companies, yeah. all of a sudden now the risk of wool is disappearing. It's not that big a deal.
0: So if someone is listening to this and they're thinking of ways that they can grow themselves financially and they're going, you know what, I wouldn't mind kind of dipping a toe into this world of stocks. Maybe they're not quite ready for a real estate investment. How do you even begin to do that? Do you you need to get a broker or?
1: You you should definitely get professional advice. Yeah. And that's not out of a taxi or a Sunday barbecue (laughs) or the wolf of Wall Street.
0: Where is the best way for someone who wants to get ahead financially that doesn't want to just have their nine to five as an income to invest their money?
1: Your three choices is uh, stocks, property and cash or shares, property and cash. Cash is not a long term investment. Cash is about liquidity being able to buy things when you need and protecting your position. Property gives you access to equity. So you'll have to borrow generally to buy your property. And over time, once you pay it down, you have access to equity. Once you've got that equity, you can actually use it to build your asset base moving forward. Right. Okay. Uh, property also gives you an access to, to an income stream. Um, but a lot of people make that mistake and they think, oh, well, once I've got a rental property, I'll be okay. The reality is that you don't get to take that income until you've got no debt on the property. So you've got to have a long-term vision for that. So my advice to young person starting out would be uh, get the little things right. Make sure your super's in place. Make sure you are protected, uh, Take your excess cash. Save some. Invest some. And by invest, I mean yes, buy shares as a young person, but don't buy them to buy and sell. Uh, don't buy them because you think it's cool and sexy. Buy them because you want to buy and own and own them for the long term.
0: Right. So it's a long-term goal. It's not absolutely flip-flopping around. No. Okay.
1: The biggest misconception with money is fear, and people um, fear what they don't understand. So people who are generally who generally have money problems always have them because they don't have an education or understanding about money. all money is is the freedom and flexibility to do more things that's all it is and when you think about it more than that um, you paralyze yourself yeah um, you know having money it's like the old uh, physics equation about energy you don't create energy you just convert it from one form to another. So with money it's the same thing you create turn your labor into money you go to your work you get paid. It's what you do with it after that that makes a big difference. If you go and put more holes in the bucket, well, you're just going to be sending that money straight back out into the economy and you're not going to be able to build your own position. If you put a hole in that bucket, which is using that money to buy more assets and those assets are working for you, well, now you've gone and made that a long-term ownership, which is going to improve your situation, not make it worse.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, James. And I have to say, like, it is a little bit inspiring when you do hear these things, because I think a part of my problem and a lot of other lazy girls that are probably listening to this is it does seem like an overwhelming thing to tackle. I guess everyone wants that financial comfort.
1: That's, that's exactly where we're at. And I, look, I only know this because I've been through it all myself. I just literally just turned 38 and realized that last year at 37, I accidentally retired which is an odd place to be, but the only way that happened was by looking at those holes in the bucket and instead of using money to go out just for spending purposes, I bought assets and I bought enough assets over time that I was able to replace my personal income. So this doesn't come from a guessing place. This is, there's no mystery about this. Mm. It's just maths and it's simple.
0: Well, look, everybody wants to retire early, don't they? And to be able to do that because you've been financially smart, that sounds like the dream.
1: It it can be a reality, (laughs) Carly.